0: You're listening to the Digital Void Podcast, where we explore digital culture, media, technology, and memes, featuring critical and empowering conversations with experts at the forefront of our digital moment. My name is Josh Chapdalene, and my co host is Dr. Jamie Cohen. There's a good chance you've seen the suffix core trending on TikTok, Twitter, or Instagram since 2020. It's a term that has become deeply associated with aesthetic and cultural values in the last three years. From the idealized version of agricultural lifestyle that has become known as cottage core to the recent film inspired Barbie core. But what is core? Mashable's Chance Townsend. Writes, the core suffix is used to describe shared ideas of culture, genres, or aesthetics, and groups them all into one set category. On today's episode, Jamie provides us with a dispatch about the differences between cores and aesthetics, how cores present themselves online and offline, and explains why the emergence of human core should be viewed with a critical eye. It has filled us with gratitude that we have had an influx of new listeners to the podcast lately. If you've been enjoying the Digital Void podcast, We'd love if you could show support for the show by following us wherever you get your podcasts, leave us a review on your favorite platform, and share it with a friend or on your preferred social media platform. Now, here's today's conversation about cores. I'm really excited to dive into today's episode where we're going to be speaking about Cores. That it can mean a lot of different things. We're not referring to hardcore music. So Jamie, when we speak about cores, what exactly does that suffix refer to?
1: Yeah, it's great. I, I gave a talk last week at the Salzburg Academy on Media and Global Change about the inequities of internet aesthetics, and cores fit directly into that. But you're not uh, entirely wrong about having hardcore as an example. That's kind of like when we put the suffix gate on any type of like conspiracy theory or something. It's from Watergate, which is a hotel. So when we are talking about hardcore, or that type of thing, the core is the aesthetic that comes from it, or in many cases, the vibe or the feeling that, that releases from some sort of subject material. And so there's other types of cores, but it, in the version of internet aesthetics, the one that I went into it in depth was this idea of core as style and fashion, and basically something that you're not just wearing, but you're presenting. You're creating a per- presentation of self based on these cores. It's like the hashtag will be all types of variations of prefixes like norm core, cottage core.
0: So this is everything from mommy vloggers to fitness influencers to even the Mr. Beast thumbnail aesthetic.
1: So those are aesthetics. So those are like the vibe look. So when we talk about aesthetics, we have to think about how advertising platforms engage with aesthetics. There has to be brand consistency. And you and I both know it's really tough to like constantly be talking about how we're brands and everything's brand, but it's true. Your brand has an aesthetic. It has a look or a feel or a way of other people recognizing it. So mommy bloggers are an aesthetic. They carry aesthetics. Millennial aesthetics are pretty much a recognizable thing. Glossier ads kind of show it. These big Helvetica fonts in front of these shiny, bright colors. The millennial style inside a house is like pink walls, green plants. And so that's like a consistent thing among a generation. And then Gen Z has a whole new set of aesthetics, mostly along the lines of a little more chaotic, a little more in your face, larger texts. So in the early 2010s, the term normcore was like one of our first fashion aesthetics of the internet age that became like really really popular. And normcore is a, re- a reactionary movement. It was to push back against high fashion and push back against these stylistic overly dressed up things. Uh, it actually comes from uh, the blog at the time, K-Hole. And it was really designed to wear clothes that were like Seinfeld. You know, and to me, I think that's interesting. But of course, as with everything that becomes a core, a hashtag core, it becomes commodified. It becomes something that people want to profit from, or at least acknowledge that it becomes a stylistic genre. To make a really long answer short, uh, the, the answer is that a core is a stylistic vibe-based genre. It does get a little uh, control though. And I think the one thing I wanted to point out when I use the term inequity is that who can afford to participate in Cores? You know, who could actually make the content? Who could actually wear the thing? And during the pandemic, we really got a reveal on that because the new Cores appeared. Yeah, so the new Cores are like cottage core. And all these different things like dark academia and gorpcore core and light academia, just so you know, they became high fashion, you know, they became like a style. And cottagecore is that for the first time, as Rebecca Jennings writes, in a long time, people didn't feel FOMO. They felt like it was okay to be alone during COVID. But that means that by being alone, they created a stylistic vibe that came from that. And it was, I'm alone in a forest wearing these nice dresses. That is what was then, same blog uh, from K-Holes, decided to call, that was the vibe shift. You know, so (laughs) inside that vibe shift, we now get our modern cores, which are styles. It's a stylistic thing. So we have Barbie core and retro wave and everything. So those are looping types of stylistic genres that really play into this whole idea of like what we can do with all these these vibe-based aesthetic values can do.
0: Where do these cores present themselves? Is this something that only digital people are doing on social media platforms, or does this present itself in everyday life?
1: In everyday life, it would be much more related to high fashion. It's kind of like very online. If you're extremely online or very online, cores are intrinsically part of the online space, the internet space. If you recognize a core offline, you're online enough to recognize an offline appearance of it. It's a privilege to participate in a core. But the main current house of cores would be TikTok because it's a hashtag and it allows people to click on the hashtag, and that's where the core has come from. And now you could organize everything from cottage core to norm core to anything else.
0: We're seeing a mainstreaming of the term core. And as you said, it's a privilege. Kate Lindsay and Embedded recently wrote a piece, Why Human Core Isn't Just Another Trend. Move over, Coastal Grandmothers. TikTok may have finally unlocked true authenticity. And I'd love for you to explain the piece and dive into your thoughts about how Kate Lindsay approaches this topic.
1: This subject line really was amazing that it popped up in my feed almost like a day after I was talking about like how aesthetics are privileged. The only certain people can participate. And one of the great critiques of this is the fact that like if a black woman were to present themselves in the form of normcore, they would be seen as being lazy or creating content about nothingness. And it would show like basically leaning to the prebuilt stereotypes that are against people of color and marginalized folk that white people don't have to worry about. They could participate in these cores. So when I saw this human core post, I was like, ooh, what does this mean? This is a core I haven't yet heard about. (laughs) So I scroll down and I start reading about it. And it's basically another iteration of cores. And this leads from what we talked about in our last episode about the idea of posting about nothingness, your day in your life. And those really aren't cores, but those are genre styles. But human core is ASMR ambient footage. And human core is just training a camera on people doing people things. And it really reminds me of everyday life theory that goes all the way back to the 1950s with uh, Irving Goffman and all these people who basically talked about what it meant to be doing things every day. What are the aesthetic values of the every day? What's left out of that conversation is who gets to be in the every day. One great example is the KitchenAid stand mixer. And the stand mixer has always been written about, oh, it's not just a stand mixer. It's It looks cool. It's something that people want on their counter. It's something that people want to use. You could buy any type of stand mixer and probably make the same amount of dough, but it's the look of the stand mixer. But it's also super expensive. And so it does leave people out. That's what I mean when I say inequity or quality. It's that who is left out of the ability to participate in these aesthetic values. So then when somebody's recording somebody, you participate in the privilege of recording ambient nothingness. Kate Lindsay writes here a very interesting and critical piece here about this. Quote, Almost all of these aesthetics become marketing material, and they have contributed to the bad taste social media has left in my mouth over the past few years. Posting is advertising, done for free in hopes of being seen, forgetting the most authentic and compelling things about being a person are hidden in the moments that no one is watching end quote. And that's exactly what we talked about last week. And that's what Kate Fowler talked about in the Digi Fairy. When no one is watching, you're finally at your most authentic. It's where you really are. But when you present it or create content from that, you're presenting a faux version of authenticity, a presented version, a layered up commodified version of it. Here it gets a little creepy though. And towards the end of this piece, Kate Lindsay speaks about, here's the quote, we know that this real life footage because we're collectively conducting our own surveillance. <laughs> at any given moment, someone may be filming you, which is not necessarily a comfortable way to live through life. But I'm almost certain none of these people in the clips have any idea they're on TikTok, let alone the small acts that receive millions of views. But humans being humans, footage is generally harmless, which is why I have no qualms of ending this post with some of my favorite videos. I was like, oh, no. (laughs)
0: Okay. Uh, First, I mean, from just the two or three years alone of virality on TikTok, we can dive into the problematic nature of that statement. In the past, we've talked about involuntary celebrification with Lily Chin on this podcast. So Jamie, can you begin to explain what happens when you become viral content without consent? The idea of surveillance capitalism is biased. Professor Shoshana Zuboff wrote Surveillance capitalism points the
1: fact that it inequally affects people. And so in the effect of like, if you're a person of color, you're more likely to be targeted by this than if you're just a white person you're not thought about. That doesn't mean anyone's left out. Clarissa Jan Lim in February of this year wrote a great article with this Phenomenal headline on BuzzFeed News, Panopta Content. And it says, what happens when you become viral content without your consent? And the question there is about the people who are in viral footage or in content itself, but they're not the main character. They're sort of to the side or there's someone else. And what happens is that people, because the comments section is part of the way that these videos are created, people start asking questions. Who's this person? You know, they start picking things apart. So it is interesting to me that like some of the pieces of content that Kate posted here, like people on airplanes, people just doing their everyday thing people just sort of standing at a stadium. And yeah, it's cute. Okay? It's very cute to see humans being humans. Nobody got permission for that. It does remind me a lot of Everyday Life Theory, recording people in space. There is a certain beauty to it, but in this we have to think about what targeting that is. And one of the ideas of this problem is like the the problem that comes from activists, specifically active black activists or activists of color who are used to have this type of footage used against them. Right now, the human core might be a very cute way of doing things, but we don't know what happens to the internet in the future. Being your own surveillance device, to me, is one of those things that I think we have to be really careful as humans to understand the power we have of the camera in our hand. And I think that's kind of missed at the very end of this essay. And I do appreciate the sober, critical look at what this content really is. But at the same time, I fear these cores because when we reach human, core, you almost think, oh, we I mean, it's the end. But if we go back and you say, well, norm core is sold at Kith, you could buy a Russell athletic t-shirt that's normally like $8. But if you throw the name Kith on it, it's now 125. And that's just a norm shirt. So those types of things are something that worries me about the progression of this type of content.
0: It is interesting that we're at this level of core material, especially as everything from apparel to accessories become commodified to a very large degree. And that is a serious implication, as well as who is able to participate in this and who is left out of this. What are the constructive takeaways from this? How do we view this, not just today, but moving forward? And are there historical antecedents?
1: Very important here. This is important to recognize because it's very easy to feel the way I feel and potentially you feel about this narrowing into this doomerist kind of outcome. Everything itself is commodified and surveilled. On the other hand, there is this beautiful idea that TikTok is not just a video platform. TikTok is a multimodal platform. And it's nice to know that the comment section isn't always negative and people meet each other and celebrate human beings doing human life. So these cores often bring up The space for others to express themselves about things that were not really expressible because style and vibes don't really have a verbal equivalent. They have a textual equivalent or a video equivalent. And TikTok being not just tiktok is there taylor lorenz in an interview with the digital ferry writes what's unique about the comments section of tiktok is that you could create content off of it you could actually use it as a space that connects videos to video you could duet them you could comment on it you could capture the comment and, and talk about it and bring it up so it creates this space of community that is really unique to this platform and so human core not to knock it all the way down it does mean that it's possible that people could celebrate human beings being humans in a new and important way that is kind, that is celebratory, and that really helps uplift people that may or may not be there. But it does mean when you write about this, I really, really recommend being critical.
0: Jamie, thank you for your dispatches from Salzburg. This has been a phenomenal time and really looking forward to diving into this in future weeks, as I'm sure it will continue. Once again, to follow along with everything we discussed in today's episode, you can visit the show notes. We'll be back next week.